0: You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Yeah, and we are off and running right away. I'm not not taking any time. I'm not wasting any time because it is a beautiful February Saturday. Not very often you say that. Beautiful February Saturday afternoon, and we are off and running. How is everybody feeling? How is everybody doing? Welcome in. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Locked and loaded, people. For a 90-minute extravaganza, and the combination of only 90 minutes on a Saturday, along with the fact of this Knicks road trip wiping out our show during the week, Larry Hardesty and myself, HD Radio as I like to call it, it's officially called ESPN New York Tonight, we have a lot of stuff to run to. So, of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. Uh, I'm on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer, But most importantly, right here on your radio until 4.30, Knicks Trailblazers then. So we got 90 minutes to run through a lot. Uh, so if you want in, I would say get in early. Uh, we got the Knicks to get through. we got the trade deadline, which has passed. We have a little game called the Super Bowl tomorrow. So we got our picks to make because our incre- – our, my incredible playoff run – Continued last week, so we got stuff to talk about there. Some thumbs up for the New York Giants, who continue to go about their business this offseason. Some thumbs down for the Olympics, which are apparently going on right now. Who knew, right? Uh, My disaster of a football team, and, and somehow I have got to squeeze all of that into 90 minutes. Can I do it? Of course, because I'm awesome. But where we start is with the headline. The headline, of course, from this past week of the NBA season, really, you'd say so far, is the trade that came down on Thursday, Nets and Sixers, James Harden, Ben Simmons, a trade so big. How big was the trade, Gordon? The trade was so big, it made people care about the Brooklyn Nets. That big. That's hard to do. And there are so many layers to it, risks for both sides, which at some point will be realized for both. I mean, this idea that w- there's a winner or a loser in terms of the teams, no, Probably at some point, because of the people, the main participants involved, it's probably going to be a lose-lose situation when you trade one quitter for another quitter. But it, to me, is a fascinating deal because of the people involved. Simmons' ceiling might not be as high as Harden, but Harden's already showing some signs of decline. Simmons fills a lot of gaps for the Nets that they don't necessarily do well defending pass those type of things doesn't need to score Harden is something for a team that was getting nothing out of a guy who had a what a cap hit like 30 million dollars and were in danger of just completely wasting a season out of Joel Embiid where I think right now he is the favorite to win the MVP and they were not winning a title without making a trade I don't know if they're going to win a title with this trade, but we'll get into that as we, uh, w- we run this down here. But assuming that Brooklyn gets KD back and it seems like he's moving more towards that direction, there are always threats to win the East. I don't care if it was with James Harden, without James Harden, with Ben Simmons, whatever. You have that guy, you are a threat to go to the NBA Finals. And if you make the NBA Finals, you are certainly a threat to win. I mean, they almost took down the NBA champions last year with just Kevin Durant. So that tells you how great he is. The Sixers were not winning before this deal, and I don't think they're winning either now either. Now they're better because they got something, but that something will come with a cost. So, you know, everybody talks about big winners and losers, who won the trade, the Nets, the Sixers. Who the biggest winner of the trade is clearly Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, very almost single-handedly, not, e- not even almost, single-handedly, very well might have sunk any chance the Sixers have of ever winning anytime soon. And, and you know, when, when that whole thing went down last year in the playoffs and he said he wasn't going, going to play for the Sixers again, and everybody, including myself, I'm sure, I don't remember that well, but reacted to his, you know, putting his foot down and saying, I'm never playing for them again. We all get crazy about how stars act. And and, and especially in the NBA, because the stars run the league, be it Anthony Davis, be it Ben Simmons, be it James Harden in Houston, be it uh, James Harden in Brooklyn, be it probably before too long, James Harden in Philadelphia. The players run the league. And this one, to me, is shocking because if this were KD or if it were Giannis or if it were like an MVP level player and it was a superstar unquestioned superstar who is saying, you know what, I need this and you need to do that and I'm not, I'm not moving until that happens, that would be one thing. We're talking about Ben Simmons. We're talking about Ben, what, I mean, who might be, what, on, a, on his best day, a a top 25, play, top 30 player in the league? I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that he's a, a bum, but he has some skill sets that are, are, are very, very high, but he's not a well-rounded player. And he's a guy who was completely coddled in Philadelphia, is on a max contract, is not a superstar. He might be a star player, but he's not a superstar player. And here's Ben Simmons saying, you know what, I'm never playing for them again. And he did not play there again. And what's his punishment? What's the offshoot? His punishment is to go and play with a legit NBA superstar in Kevin Durant, who almost single-handedly took the Nets to the NBA Finals last year, and a guy in Kevin Durant who makes everyone better. <laughs> so I'm sure, I'm sure that'll teach Ben Simmons, huh? But it should teach all of us to file it away for next time because the blueprint, especially in the NBA, is clearly established. And it is, if you're unhappy in your situation, be as unprofessional as you can be, be as big a cancer as you can be, and you will eventually be rewarded. Now, it might take you a little longer than you like. Maybe Ben Simmons wished that this could have happened before the season, during the season, but whatever. It happened, and he got—he probably got better than he could have ever expected he would have gotten. Because they could have traded him just about anywhere if they were to be spiteful and say, you know what, we're just going to get rid of this guy and we'll get what we get and uh, and we'll deal with it. And it's amazing because Ben Simmons, lost in all of this, has so many unlikable qualities. I mean, his reputation is someone who is soft, who is spoiled, who is a quitter, who's been pampered, who has a ginormous ego. I mean, the fact that he said he's not going to play in Philly because of his mental health, and then as soon as he gets traded, boop, my, my mental health all of a sudden is doing much better. Amazing how that happens. But as amazing as it is, that Simmons has all these unlikable qualities. Really, some of the worst qualities you can have in a, in a professional athlete. A quitter, right? Somebody who just quit. Just said, no, nah, that's it. I'm done. Somehow, against all odds, James Harden actually comes off worse. And I had to laugh at some of the quotes this week. Sean Marks, quote, I have to give James credit for being open and upfront and honest. This is a guy who you moved heaven and Earth, to bring to your organization, sacrificed anything down the road to, 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 to get him here, a place he demanded, not just requested, not just asked, not just was interested in, not on a list of teams, demanded to go to Brooklyn. And a little over, an, a, a, little over a year after that happened, now is, demand, is quitting on another organization. A guy who was given everything in Houston, Hall of Fame players to play with, everything run through him, a style he wanted. Not happy, demands a trade to Brooklyn because he wants to win. And it's clear—I said this last Saturday—and and, and the, the results of this past week just prove it even more. He wanted to go to Brooklyn because he had achieved all the—he didn't want to do the heavy lifting anymore, right? He had done all the heavy lifting. He won his MVP, he did all the the personal accolades you can do, and he saw a nice, easy path to get a championship. A path where he had to do as little as possible. And when the going got tough, he checked out. He didn't want to deal with it anymore. And I said then and it's true now, you know, at least when KD took the easiest path to a title we will ever see in our lifetimes, at least he earned it. At least he was he, he was he was there. He was he was the finals MVP. Harden is now quit on two teams in a little over – quit for someone who has the, the, the stats and the, the hardware, at least personally with the MVP, to be considered a, a great all-time player. This should be part of a resume that never goes – anytime anybody brings up James Harden after his career, it will be that this guy quit on two teams, and that doesn't go away. And and especially for a guy who's now, it looks like, in his decline phase where he can't play at the same level. And there's two ways that this goes. Either he is in the decline phase and he's just not going to be as good in, in Philly that he has been in his career, even playing with, with Embiid and, uh, I guess, being happy at least for the time being. So it could be that, it can be that, that would be option one, right? He's just not the same guy anymore. Or, which I think a lot of people are expecting, including Daryl Morey, all of a sudden he just is able to turn it on again and proves that he is just a consummate quitter and the antithesis of a leader. Either way, it doesn't look good for a guy who is as talented as James Harden has been and has accomplished as much as he has. There's no way you can, you can even argue that point. And, and I know people will bring, well, you know, it's just the Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving. That's why he soured on Brooklyn. He got there, and, and dealing with Kyrie was far more than he had to deal with because Kyrie's not there, and he had to do far. Yes, yeah, sometimes that's what happens. That's what happens sometimes when you get into a situation. You think it's going to be one thing. It turns out to be something else. But if, if that's what you've – you know, it's, they're like the old line, be careful what you wish for. You might get it. He got what he wanted. It didn't turn out to be everything that he thought it was going to be. It was going to be more work than he, he was required, he thought he was going to be required to do. And his, his response to that was to quit, was to say, get me out of here. I got to go someplace else now. I know I just got here. I know you moved heaven and earth to get me here, but uh, too much work for me. And in terms of the Kyrie Irving thing, I get that Kyrie might be tough to deal with. You know, that story of him, where was that? Was that the athletic? There was a story this week about the you know how the relationship between Harden and, and and Kyrie just never really meshed and how one incident was in a locker room I think it was in Cleveland that Kyrie was burning sage in the locker room before the game to ward off ward off negative energy and that Harden looked at him like he had three heads if if burning sage were to ward off negative energy if it if it worked I think Kyrie would kind of, like, disappear like Thanos snapped his fingers. (laughs) Because there's not more – I mean, he leads the league in negative energy. That guy, Woof. I mean, that was tough. I I would get that. I could completely understand where Harden is coming from to a certain degree uh, of just not meshing with Kyrie, who is all about himself. But here's the thing. It wasn't like Kyrie got there after you or at the same time as you. He was there. You requested, you bet, you demanded to go to a place where Kyrie was already there, so you don't get to complain if it blows back on you. So how this ends up turning out for the Nets? I, look, they still have Kevin Durant. To me, that's the only, that's the most important takeaway from this. And as long as he's healthy, I don't care if it's Ben Simmons, I don't care if it's James Harden, I, I'm still going to bet on that guy with whoever, as long as he has some help around him, because last year. He had very, very little help, and he still almost got it done. But as great as Kevin Durant is as a player, and he makes everybody bet, he's everything you'd want. Uh, not the, the injuries notwithstanding, you'd like to, for him to be a little bit healthier. But as great a player as he is, man, he's a bad GM. And, and his decision to leave the Warriors and team up with Kyrie, man, that feels like the type of thing we'll be hearing about and, and people will be speculating about if they don't win forever it's just uh, it's just absolutely fascinating and i I I'm, I I'm almost expecting to spend the rest of my life if brooklyn never wins a title with with kyrie and kd i feel like that there'll be conspiracy theories from now especially involving kyrie there'll be conspiracy theories from now until kingdom come there'll be 30 for 30s there'll be sports documentaries there'll be books about just uh all the different angles to that story. So, look, if you want to get in on the trade, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Uh, To me, there's just so many unlikable people in the trade. I almost wish somehow that the NBA could move heaven and earth to put all the unlikable aspects of the trade in one, on one team, like Harden, Kyrie, Ben Simmons. That would be must-see TV. That would be incredible. But, uh, look, the stain for Harden is pretty clear. Uh, For Simmons, I think that it gets removed if they do actually win and i guess the stain for both guys will be lessened if they win the only problem with that is i'm not really sure that either of them really care all that much about winning a title so we'll see how things play out let's go out to sam Rockland. sam pick it up sam please hey,
1: <clears throat> hey gordon let's address the facts in this trade and okay. in general uh james Hor- james harden is a scorer and they already have kd and Kyrie. there's only one ball so let's just address that fact, and then let's address Harden's defensive prowess, which is none, and let's address the fact that they're going to be going against either the Bucks or the Warriors eventually if they want to go to the championship. They need a defensive guy to lock down Klay Thompson and Giannis. So Ben Simmons, at his best, is a defensive specialist. And, you know, he's 6'10", he's a wing, and he can post up. James Harden, at his best during last year's finals, was the distributor which he couldn't even do to KD. If you go to the final two minutes of those two, of that series, he was turning the ball over, and at minimum he could have kept the ball and had KD post up and maybe had KD just control the ball. But that's the point of what I'm trying to say. There's only one ball. There's no championship going to be with uh, a ball going to three scores. Let's get some guy like a Draymond Green, like Ben Simmons can be someone like him who can at least lock down some pr- premier players. Let's put it yeah. that way.
0: No, look, I mean, in terms of fits, Sam, you're right. Uh, the, the, the actual on-the-court fit uh, of Ben Simmons, and that's why even before it seemed like it was realistic, it seemed like it would be a, a good trade for both teams because the Nets don't need more offense. They needed somebody to play a little defense, somebody who can be that – that uh, impact defensive player that you can put him uh, on whatever matchup you need. Now, it seemed kind of unlikely at the time, because why would the Nets and Sixers hook up on a trade when there's a very good chance, and now you have to almost be rooting for them to hook up in the play? I mean, that would be just, a le- at any stage, that would be a legendary series based on the personalities involved based on this trade. But, of course, with with, with Harden and with Simmons, it's not just about the on-court what they do on the court because the personalities, if it was just based on how good they were as basketball players, they probably would have had much more success in, in where they had been. Certainly Harden, his, his resume in terms of on-the-court accomplishments, you would think would have led to more success in the playoffs. And he's a guy who has disappeared in the playoffs. I mean, that that reputation is is pretty well established and it's pretty well earned. And Simmons' reputation after, after last year, that's what led to the whole disintegration uh, of his time in, uh, in Philadelphia. So how that pans out now, that was when people were bringing up about the possibility of even the Knicks trading for Ben Simmons. That's my greatest concern. Like, where is his head at? I I realize that he's going to be happy about the trade because he got what he wanted. He got a a better situation to me than he was in in Philadelphia because that never really felt like a good match him and Embiid together. But what concerns me is, is in the entire time since everything went down last year in the playoffs, it never felt like he took any responsibility at all for his part in it. It always felt, oh, they're blaming me, and that just kind of leads you to believe he's 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 a coddled guy and he has been coddled the entire time now if he comes in with the right attitude it's set up for him to have success if kd's healthy if Kyrie plays if he's only part-time if he's if he something changes there then then i think that he's walking into an excellent situation and just in terms of the actual deal was made i think the nets got the better of the deal but is he going to walk in with that right attitude because he's not there, there's not really been a time in his NBA career so far that he has he's displayed a great attitude. And he's he's displayed the the direct opposite, you would say. Let's go back to the phone, shall we? Let's go to Andre's in Connecticut. Andre,
2: yeah,
3: man, how you doing? How you doing today, on. Gordon?
0: I'm fantastic, Andre.
2: All right. All right. I don't want to talk uh, to small talk. But that guy, the last caller did not know what he was talking about. They worked in Golden State with three scores. They worked in Boston with three scores. They could have worked here, but I think, I think that Harden was frustrated with Kyrie. Can't play or win a championship part time. Can't do that, you know. So that's all I wanted to say. All
0: right. Yeah. No. I think that's been pretty well established, Andre. Thanks for the phone call. That uh, the 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 relationship between James Harden and Kyrie. Harden wasn't feeling it. And, and I can understand why, but then you, you, that's something you—that's a before you demand the trade the Brooklyn kind of thing. Like he was, Kyrie was already here, and and his reputation was pretty well established. Now the the whole, um, the whole vaccine act aspect of it was not established as of yet. But he's he's agent chaos, man. He's unhappy everywhere he goes. He's, he's, he's kind of like a, a toxic superstar. I don't know any other, uh, any other way to put it. So I get where Harden's coming from, but when you demand a trade to the place where the toxic asset already is, you don't get to complain about the toxic asset. That's, that's the way it, uh, it is. But no, it's pretty clear that uh, Kyrie and Harden were not, uh, were not meshing. We're not a, but even then, even as much as they didn't like each other, the issue was not that they couldn't play together. I mean, remember when that trade was made, people, oh, it's too much offense. It's uh, Who's going to play defense? How are they going to share the ball? They were 13-3 when they played together. Now, they only played the 16 games. That's that's the issue. They couldn't get on the court. Uh, there are a variety of reasons there between Durant being hurt here and there, Kyrie doing his thing, going off, just leaving the team, bailing, and, and Harden dealing with... His own injuries, and I don't I, he his play has certainly declined, but it's tough to know if that's just on his on his uh, uh, the fact that he's frustrated or if that's actually he's a, a guy that what is he thirty two almost 33 now that's started to enter uh, the decline phase of his career. That will show when he gets to Philly. If he shows up in Philly and all of a sudden he looks like the old James Harden, well, then we know what to chalk that up to. So it was almost like a bad... Either way it goes for him in Philly, in Philly there's going to be a negative aspect. Either he is, is not the same player and Philly has just traded for a guy, a superstar, it's declining, and is now going to have to give him this monster contract, which you make that deal, you have to be already on board on that. Or... He just displays to you that he was dogging it in his time with the Nets because he was unhappy that he had to do too much of the work. Either way, it's, it's not a great look for Harden. Either way. We'll get into Super Bowl 56 coming up. The Bengals, the Rams, the incredible, more importantly than them, can I talk about myself? The incredible postseason run that I'm on. My FanDuel account got the necessary reinforcements the other night when Aaron Rodgers correctly was named the nfl mvp oh do we need those reinforcements people we're still digging out from that uh, disastrous playoff run by the nets last year but that helped that was a big step forward boy nailed that sucker nailed that sucker so we'll get the uh, super bowl pick for super bowl 56 coming up but i did want to kind of touch on the nick some because we're focused on the Nets so much with their huge trade. Again, a trade so big it forces you to talk about the Brooklyn Nets. But the Knicks, now that the NBA trade deadline is gone, I have some Nick thoughts. And you know me. I am not a verified Nick hater. I have termed that for the people in the media, which I'm not really, but kind of, but people far bigger than me, And you know who they are. We've named names. I'm not one of these shows that just kind of leaves it ambiguous. Max Kellerman is absolutely one. Frank Isola is another. We have the list. I can go check. I can verify all the I think there's five names on the list of verified Nick haters who hate every single thing the Knicks ever do, even things that they've kind of suggested they do. And then they do them, and then they make fun of them for it. So I am not a verified Nick hater. But I I don't know how anyone anywhere – can feel good about where the Knicks are at right now. And now that the trade deadline is gone, and it was kind of trending in this direction already, but now that you know that there's no deal, there's, no, there's nothing behind the curtain, it just kind of further illustrates that this season really could not have gone worse. To think after last year that we could, that, it were, that it was even possible to destroy all the goodwill all the enthusiasm that you had from a season a miracle season this this delightful season where where the Knicks went from 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 laughing stock to a team that you could watch you could turn on the game and be excited about them and not just feel good on that night you felt good when there weren't games you felt good you know another seasons you feel good when there's not games because you don't have to sit and watch them but last year, even when the Knicks weren't playing, you felt good about the direction of the organization, the direction of the team, and to think, I wouldn't even have thought it was possible to take all that goodwill from last year, and that by February, it would be gone. It would be gone. That it feels like last year was completely, like almost a hoax, Almost fool's gold that you believed in and then then you woke up the next day and it was all just a mirage. Be it Randall from last year, this guy who we thought that, not that he was a, a franchise player, but he was he was your star player, a guy that maybe you could build around. Clearly you'd have to supplement with further talent. He can't be the best player on a championship-level team, can't maybe be the best player on a team that's going to go deep into the playoffs, but he can be a part. He can be a piece. And he, he wanted to be here and all the good things. After the first five, six years of his career, he'd remade his body, he'd remade his game, and now all of a sudden he was your guy, a guy who actually wanted to be here. And then you see what has happened this year, where it just seems like he's, he's frustrated the entire time. He's ticked off at just about everybody. His game has regressed, which maybe shouldn't have been all that much of a surprise, but his lack of aggression throughout the season. You know, all the people bringing up the other night, oh, wow, he was so much more aggressive in the game against the Warriors which is great to see that, but then you start to wonder, like, where has that been? Why, why has that not been here? But from Randall to Tibbs, I, I mean, to think that after, la- that's a perfect example. Last year, people were, were calling up, and rightfully so, saying that Tibbs, and I, I agreed with them. I made the point that Tibbs should be the coach of the year. I can't imagine anybody else getting more out of what he had at his disposal than Tibbs. And now here we are, less than a year later, And there are people, I'm not one of them, but there are people who are already saying, we're going to have to change the coach, the coach is in trouble, all these type of things. And then, of course, I think bigger than either Randall or or Tibbs is Leon Rose. The direction of what this, where is this franchise going? Because that's the second point. There has been zero progress. Zero. Leon Rose was hired in, what, either March or February of 2020. And it got me thinking. When I was a kid, there used to be a building in town that they announced that there was going to be a new store. And it actually happened recently uh, where I'm living now, that there was a store that was empty and people started saying, oh, it's going to be this, it's going to be that. And they announced the new store and then you get excited. Oh, I can't wait until it opens. I wonder when it's going to open. And then it's like a certain period of time where you, you realize, wait a second, that should have been open. And there's no progress. The store is not open. And a lot of times the, 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 the plans for the store fall through. And that kind of feels like the next man. Like it's been a couple of years now. I mean, this season's not completely over, but it's it's trending that way. And what has been done? What 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 have we gotten accomplished? There's not a single piece on the team that you would say you're confident is going to be here when things get turned around. Now, I like what Leon Rose has done in terms of the draft, and that's why I'm 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 much bigger on the lottery than than somehow maybe sneaking in as the 10th seed in the play-in but then you have a coach who doesn't seem like he's on the same page as the front office it's not a good look and the trade deadline really kind of illustrated that you keep kind of hoping that there's there's some plan there's there's something around the corner and, again, I'm willing to give Leon Rose a chance. I have been. I thought that the combination between him and Worldwide Wide West and the, the guy Brock Aller with the analytics and Tibbs and all, all that type of stuff was good. But, I mean, what has been done? What, what have you been doing the whole time? And then the trade deadline, Zippo. And you have that uh-oh moment. You have the, the moment where it becomes clear. Oh, my God. There really is no plan. There's no... Overarching strategy of oh, this is the way we're gonna turn this around now that's not to say that it's going to definitely not work. Maybe something comes along that that um that opens up and some player, but there's not been any pro i mean what progress has there been made? I think the roster might be more talented than it was a couple of years ago, but again, it's not like that there's there's a bunch of pieces that I'd say, oh, well, that's a keeper, and this is a keeper. If every single guy is available in the right trade, then, then what are you really saying about your roster? So there, it, it doesn't seem like that there is any plan. And I kind of was hoping that there was some sort of strategy to turn things around. And, and, and after last year, not that it ended the way you wanted it, you could at least have some confidence. Yeah, you know what, these guys, these guys really know what they're doing. And a lot of that was wiped out. By the awful offseason. I mean, just what a disastrous offseason. The moves that they made between Kemba and Fournier, when it's at least being raised as the possibility that the two big offseason acquisitions that you made, you're looking to trade by the deadline the following year. That tells you all you need to know that those were not good moves. Now, they didn't make it worse, and I think it would have made it worse by uh, attaching draft picks just to get them out of here just to say that you did something, so that's good. I'm not saying it's rock bottom, but it's not all that far removed. It's not, it's not sky high either, especially since it feels like even two years in, it's still – the path forward has not revealed itself as of yet, and you would have liked to have thought that by two years in, you would have said, okay. We're going to do this, and we're going to get that guy, and this guy is going to be a free agent, and now we're going to be—it's all been wiped out. This—the whole idea that last year was enough to to flip the narrative that the Knicks are now a destination doesn't feel that way right now. Feels like the destination is going to be back in the NBA lottery, and that's not a destination anybody really wants to be in. Two years into a new regime, one 919 ESPN is the uh, telephone number. Let's get some more phone calls in. Let's go out to uh, Raymond. Is in Jersey. Raymond, you're next up on the Gordon Damer show.
4: Hey, how are you? I'm good, Raymond.
3: Yes, um, I would have. I, I would have won two different trades. I would have stayed with the hardy trade, the same way that they got it. Okay. I think the Mets, of course, they won on that trade. But I would actually made another trade. It would have been Gary Irving, Lakers, and I would have sent him to OVC. And I want to try to grab Josh Giddey, uh Shai Alexander, and probably uh, a first-round pick from OKC due to I think it's OKC they got like between five to seven first-round picks in the next two to three years. I think they have five hundred. So
0: I think they have 500 yeah, first-round like picks. Yeah, no, they have a lot of them though. They're not done yet. They're still adding them as we uh, every couple of days they keep adding a couple more. Raymond. Well, look, They're here's adding. the thing, Raymond. Nobody's going to trade for Kyrie Irving, and you're not going to get the approval to trade Kyrie Irving from Kevin Durant. Uh, and that's really what it comes back to. Like, if, if at any point Kevin Durant went to Nets brass and said, "Hey, it's okay, you can get this guy out of here," maybe they would have moved him mm-hmm. somewhere for something. But I don't get the sense that that's the first obstacle you have to clear. It's not about finding a team or or finding talent that matches up, or improving your own club, or what you're going to give the other club. It's about getting the approval of Kevin Durant because he's the guy, and I think rightfully so, who, who's running the show there in Brooklyn.
3: Yeah, uh, but I, I'm, let me ask you this. Uh, uh, let's say that you're Kevin Durant, uh, and I come at you God, I, I have so this, much
0: money? Yes, I love this idea, Raymond.
3: Go ahead. I'm, I'm, willing, I'm willing to make this roster better. We're going to make it more balanced, more younger, and also, we're going to have the draft. Uh, um, the draft. Uh, Raymond, cap, Raymond, uh, Raymond. What, what does draft? Kevin
0: Durant care about draft picks? Why well, would Kevin Durant exactly care though. about that? That the, the Nets are going to be in a good spot to draft a player in twenty twenty
3: four? No, no. Because you could use that and and try to get uh, another piece. Now yeah, it would uh, be uh, like a wing now mode piece. Right. They're already. willing would help them.
0: Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I, they, I, unfortunately, I'm, I'm, Raymond, they, they've made their bed. And Raymond, thanks for the phone call. They've already made their bed with Kyrie Irving. I mean, th- th- it is what it is. They're not trading him anywhere. Nobody's taking that guy. He's 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 your, you know, sometimes you get problems for problems. I don't know that there's a problem in the NBA that is uh, another problem in the NBA that's big enough uh, to take Kyrie Irving, especially since uh, was it last year where it was brought up? Was it earlier this year? Like he, he's. I'm pretty sure he's come out, or at least insinuated that if he got traded someplace else, he'd just retire. <laughs> so you know, maybe the the possibility of, of OKC if you if you attached a whole bunch of picks, but the Nets don't have a whole bunch of picks because they just did that to to get uh, James Harden. So yeah, that's Kyrie Irving's here. He might, might only be here Tuesdays and Thursdays, but he's here when, when, <laughs> whenever the Nets are playing on the road. And I, I'll say this. It would not completely shock me that by the playoff, by the time the playoffs roll around, that the whole situation with him only playing in the road games has been removed. That would not shock I'm not predicting it, I'm not betting on it, but it would not shock me. That all this thing that we've been focusing on the entire time. Because I just feel like Kyrie, he really doesn't want to have to deal with the regular season. He just likes playing in the postseason games. And when the postseason rolls around, what he'll figure out a way either by himself or by the mandate being lifted. I don't know. But it would not shock me if, if by the time we get to the playoffs that, that Kyrie is, is playing in, in these games. It wouldn't shock me if he's not either. But it would not shock me if he is. Uh, let's go out to uh, Clay is in Jersey. Clay, what's going on, my friend?
5: Hey, man, how are you doing? Good afternoon. Um, I would say that um, i frustrated with Tibbs even last year. I don't think he's good in terms of player development. Uh, I think if you look at uh, the draft picks this year, Quentin Grimes, Deuce, I think they don't get enough playing time. Uh, RJ is a volume shooter. Um, he's not a high percentage uh, you know, uh, player in terms of efficiency. Uh, Quigley just jacks up shots. You know, he does not really, you know, develop the young guys. And I think the issue with Tibbs is that he is rely on veteran players. And over time, right, you don't have a bench. And I do think that that's a major problem with Tibbs. And I, I can't think of the players, you know, over the NBA, over his career that you can point to maybe four or five players that he's developed. Miami developed players, right? You know, Cleveland is developing players. But Tibbs doesn't do that, he just grinds people out. And, over time, I think people get tired of him. He's a twice-fired coach. I think we need a coach that could develop the talent on this team, and Pitts is not the guy to do that, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, well, Clay, I mean, you're, not, you're certainly not alone there. Uh, that, is, uh, that is his reputation, and it has been his practice so far here with the Knicks. The Knicks had, and thanks for the phone call, the Knicks had a very clear – you might not ever have a more clear differentiation of, of, of the road that you can go when choosing a head coach than the Knicks had. They had Tibbs on one side, who you know what his reputation is. He He's is going to he, he's gonna try and grind out every single win, every single night. He, he, he's not looking so much towards the future. He's not, it's not about development. It's about the now. It's about he's going he's gonna to try and kill you to get a win. Anything that, is, that, that can be done to win right now, that's what he's about. And on the other side, they had Kenny Atkinson, who his reputation is pretty well established from his time with the Nets and a lot of Nick fans myself included i know larry who uh, larry hardesty he was on board a lot of nick fans wanted to see the Knicks go that route and that's not the route they went and they might end up end up paying for that and that kind of gets into that kind of gets into the the whole idea that there's not really been any there's 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 no development there's no progress there's progress from from before they got here, because the before they got here, what did they win, 15 games, 17 games, whatever it was. So there's been some progress from that because they're a little bit more of a credible, uh, they're, they're just more of a credible organization right now. But in terms of progress from last year to this year, or even even if there had been some regression, that might have been expected because last year was just such an overachieving year. If you had told me that the Knicks right this year, ah, eh, they're going to be the, the seven or eight, and and maybe they don't win as many games as they did last year. I could have dealt with that if if you'd still gotten the same thing out of Randall, maybe with some slight regression. But the younger players stepped up more. R.J. Barrett took that next step forward. You saw more from quickly. You saw more from Topping. You saw maybe even the young, even the even the, the guys they drafted this year. You see more of them. But that's not the case. That's the problem. But no, in terms of of, of Tibbs, his his. Sometimes reputations are unfair. (laughs) I don't think that his reputation in terms of a coach has been unfair. I think you've seen it on full display so far this year. Absolutely. Spike is in St. Pete. Spike, you're next up on ESPN New York.
6: Well, good afternoon, my friend. And let me be uh, one of the people that reiterated to you that you were going to win
0: that nice score. Oh, Aaron Rodgers. I love Aaron Rodgers. I know. But you know. I've been supporting. I bought a whole bunch of ivermectin just to celebrate.
6: <laughs> Listen, I told you the vote was in prior to what you thought when he made some crazy remarks. And it was. It's it just he. Listen, he's one of those guys that during the regular season, if you look back, his last three or four games at Green Bay, which was always a, a you know pretty pretty big home field advantage, starting from when uh, Eli beat him there or Giants beat him there, rather, uh, you know, the Coughlin-Frozen-Face game, I call it. Uh, that was a great score. Very proud of you. And uh, you do what you want tomorrow. And as far as the Knicks go, he, here's the problem with the Knicks. And uh, God knows how many times you and I and Larry, and you know how much I enjoy it, and we break it down, maybe Misery Life's company. But let's not be fooled by Julius Randle. They couldn't move him. It's obvious they couldn't move him. Now, uh, one last comment, and, again, have a great Sunday and uh, keep putting those cards up in your uh, domicile downstairs. Yeah. <laughs> I'd put a card of uh, Aaron Rodgers up on that wall just for just for posterity. But here's what I say. You know, disruption is difficult. It's a team game between Irving and Harden. And, and you know, you always kid around Gordon and yeah, I have a serious side to me uh, about bringing people together. You say it in jest. I know you mean it seriously. Uh, Buddha and I are very close friends now, and I attribute that to you and Larry, and I love that guy. You know, well, you, you're our guys. That's what we call it. And I'm so happy for Buddha. He was reluctant to make the deal and pull the trigger because he didn't want to lose justifiably. So Tyrus, Ma- Tyrus Maxson, whatever it is, the kids in Kentucky, who's a dead-eye shooter and he's cheap. And, he, and 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 what they gave up, they got more because uh, unequivocally, uh, Joe b is having uh, maybe a once-in-a-lifetime. I don't believe that because remember when he came out of Kansas. Uh, Gordon, he didn't play the first two yep. years, yep. so his age, you his, know. his body, you know, yep. right. So, so that team has Tobias Harris, and you know the rest of the squad. They picked up the, this kid DeAng from from Utah, forty percent shooter. Uh, they have Danny Green, who all he does is win, no matter where he goes. And uh, I think, uh, I really believe this. I'd like your opinion, and thanks for the time. And uh, just send me a few bucks if you get the address. But all kidding aside, I think that uh, Milwaukee and Philadelphia will be in the conference finals. I just do. I think they match up well. And uh, I think Brooklyn is just, I can't say it on the radio, I feel bad for Durant. Because he got duped uh, by uh, Kyrie Irving, who, uh, come on
0: Spike, I got to run here, so thanks for the phone call. I- I'm not giving uh, KD a pass on that one. This is the guy that his hand-picked guy. He wanted to, he wanted him. That was the deal and they came together and now you have to you have to kind of live with the uh the repercussions. I'm not as high on Philadelphia even with Harden. I mean, have we forgotten about Harden in the playoffs? And 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 is Harden and Embiid now going to mesh? And just Spike even hinting at the possibility of Embiid and, and possible health concerns that you might have long-term with him. I think Harden already, he just heard that, and he's already looking to leave Philadelphia. Uh, wait a second, you need me to do what now? No, no, I'm not doing that. It is Super Bowl weekend, Super Bowl 56 tomorrow. And, uh, look, at this point, I do kind of feel like two weeks, it's been kind of talked out. But I would say the one thing that stands out to me about this game is this is the classic head-versus-heart game. There is nothing in terms of breaking down the, the matchup where you, would, you really can come up with a conceivable way that the Bengals should win this game. The Rams are a far more talented team. They were built to win now. Sean McVay has been in the Super Bowl. He's back in the Super Bowl. He is really the bright young head coach that the one thing that's missing from his resume is a Super Bowl title. He's 61-29. and 29. He's not going to be outcoached. Cooper Cup is the most unstoppable player in the game. Uh, As great as Jamar Chase is, they have Jalen Ramsey to kind of take him away. The biggest strength of the Rams is the biggest weakness of the Bengals between the pass rush and the O-line of Cincinnati. It would make no sense. And and I'll be honest with you. I have no way to debate any of those things. But sometimes you just get a feeling. And sometimes the, the heart beats out the head. And I think this is one of those times. You know, magicians will tell you that there are two kinds of audiences, people who believe in magic and people that don't, and you can't change them. If somebody doesn't – it doesn't matter how great the tricks are, you're never going to get them on, and, and, and the vice versa. This is one of those times I'm believing in the magic. I believed in the Bengals against Kansas City, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take them. Plus the four and a half, and after an amazing postseason where we've gone nine and three people. Nine and Three. Give me the Bengals and uh, watch me just take away all those winnings and throw them down. No, it's going to be the Bengals, and uh, I think that they are going to win the Super Bowl. I think the Cincinnati Bengals will win tomorrow. We all have to work on ourselves, people. And this is, meant, this is coming from a, a good place. This is coming from a place where I want to see us all do better as Nick fans. When the trade deadline happened and you see certain Nick fans celebrating the fact that, uh, that Christoph Porzingis got traded, that is such a loser mentality. That is, that is still focusing on the X way after the breakup has happened. The fact that poor Zingas, that you're taking delight out of the fact that the Mavericks have traded poor Zingas, and, and somehow that's a win for you, it's not a win for you. And the fact that you think it's a win for you shows you just how infrequently you actually win. And when, when people make fun of Nick fans, it's that type of stuff still celebrating the fact that the guy got traded again after the breakup with him and you and everything else, the deal with the Mavs and who won the deal and who didn't win the deal. That's such a loser mentality to be still focusing on somebody who's been long gone, has no impact on you whatsoever. All eight hundred nine one nine 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Uh, and look, I can say this because I root for bad teams. And just to kind of tie back into the Bengals thing, I'm rooting for the Bengals because watching them in the Super Bowl, it's, it's like being in prison and your cellmate has broken out of prison. And yes, I'm still, I'm still, I still got a clock in to make my license plates. But it's nice to see somebody made it over the wall and is living their best life. So yes, I'm, I'm red waiting for another parole hearing while the Bengals are Andy driving down to Cihuataneo. But I'm happy for them. And I think that's a sign of a good person. If you're if you're jealous of the of the of your cellmate, well, that's a sign you're a bad person. And, and I'll be honest with you, the fact that there's not going to be any football after tomorrow is not is not good for me. And I got a little bit of a of a sneak preview of that last week. Without the 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 the, the, the playoffs, my wife says, "Well, you're not doing anything today." She knows this. But she knows enough about sports to know that there was no football last week. Uh, she says, well, she convinced me we're going to Target. Have, have you done this? I have not done this very often. Oh, my God. How do, how do people do this? What a mistake that was. I would have rather been a Target. <laughs> I would rather have had somebody firing arrows at me. First off, I pull into the parking lot. It's like a demolition derby. Do, do people that, went, that go to these places, do they realize, like, if you don't get the spot the first time you pull in, you can even it out. You don't have to take up two spots. You don't have to leave your car crooked. You shouldn't be doing that anyway. But there is a, There's a giant wheel, circle in front of you that directs the car. So I pull in the parking lot. It's like a, a, a demolition derby. I thought they were giving stuff away. So we walk in. Walking into the family, you know, there's other people walking in at the same time. There's a guy that walks in with us. As soon as he's in the store, he just starts yelling at somebody in the store, Toys! Toys! I, I guess he's looking for toys. I don't even know who he's talking to. I, the person that answered him and, like, pointed, I don't even think that they worked there. But he just started screaming toys. Is this what you do there? You just scream what, what section of the store you are looking for? At that point, I probably should have just said, you know, I'm, I'm just going to wait in the car. But my wife came up with this idea that for Valentine's Day this year, I have a daughter and I have a son. So I'm going to buy for my daughter. My daughter's going to do something for me. My son is going to do something for my wife. My wife's going to. My, my son making it for the wife, it's just more stuff for me. I'm buying for the wife. <laughs> Somehow I got the short end of the stick. So I said to my son when we walk in, I said, what do you want to get from mom? This, it's like the first time that he's ever thought of it. First time. So we eventually, I don't want to say what it was, but we eventually come to uh, an agreement on what to get mom. I said, well, you got to go get her a card. <sighs> Walks over to the cards. I swear my hand to God. Walks over to the cards. Picks up a card. The first card he saw that said, mom, okay, here you go. <laughs> I said, Jack, I think that's a birthday card. I don't think that that's what you want, you want to get mom for Valentine's Day. But he, uh, he, he gets the card. We, I said, you know what? Go do what you got to do. I'm going to go get online. So my wife told me ahead of time, you want to be on the self-checkout. you got to get on the self-checkout. It's much quicker that way. I don't know why. She's got the experience. I'll listen to her. So I get on the self-checkout line. Where have we gone wrong as a society? How is it that when I use the self-checkout, it takes two seconds? Boop, 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 out the door. They could charge me $100 for a pack of gum. I'm not going back, people. I, I'm not looking for refund. I got to get out. I got to get out of this place. I've been here too long. I don't care. if I, Every other per- person on the line, they've got some sort of problem. They need some sort of help. They got a coupon. I don't care what the coupon says. I don't need any coupons. I'm a big believer they should design stores with the self-checkout, that if you need help, the floor opens up and you get deposited outside the store and you got to start over. If you need help, you shouldn't be on the self-checkout line. You should be in the regular line and let the the rest of us who are just looking to get out, we're looking to get on with our day, let us do this. No, apparently not. I, I, I could not get over. Then, they have the Starbucks inside the, the Target. Oh, my God. No, I, just stayed on, I just stood on line, and now I'm standing on another line. I thought I went from the checkout out the door. Check out. Out. That means out. No, no. We got to get the Starbucks. One person's paying. Somebody says, I want to pay with points. I, what, what do we do? Points. I didn't even know that was not what points. I would like to buy, I would like to buy things with my Stars. What are we doing? Can, do, does nobody have cash anymore? And I'm not even saying cash money, just a credit card. We've devised all these things to make things quicker, and none of it's quicker. Everything takes longer. Everybody's got to have a special thing. I want to pay with my points. Oh, it was exhausting. It was absolutely exhausting. I'm so glad that was over with. So glad. And, and the wife doesn't even relate. She thinks, that, oh, this is just what you do. This is what you do. Not what I do. So hopefully that's the last time I'm going to the Target. anytime. Target's not a sponsor here, right? I don't think so. one 800 espn is the telephone number. one 800 let us go back and get a couple more calls in here. Richard is in Manhattan. Richard's always got something good. What do you got? Pat?
4: Gordon, yes. Kyrie Irving could yes. not get along with LeBron James.
0: He can't get along with anybody.
4: No, but uh, it's uh, getting along with somebody and getting along with LeBron James. LeBron James is all about winning championships. Kyrie Irving doesn't care about winning championships. He just cares about his expression and exposing what he believes, and that's it. If he really, truly believed in championships, he would have stayed with LeBron James. LeBron James is all about winning. He doesn't care about anything, just winning, like Michael Jordan. Like Jerry West, these guys just wanted to win. He's not about winning. No. He's about showing the, who is he is, is and what he anybody think is
0: about winning? He,
5: who? I mean, Kyrie I'm Irving asked. is am You're at saying all. you're
0: making this point. I think, I think we're all in agreement. I don't think there's anybody on the other
4: side of this. Kyrie Irving doesn't care. So why would <laughs> Kevin Durant align himself I don't with Kyrie Irving? Makes it, no sense.
0: I, I said it why before. Wouldn't Kevin Durant I feel like call I will live LeBron the rest James. of my life hearing different conspiracy theories for why Kevin Durant thought that this would be a good idea because it's been a disaster. If he
4: doesn't get along with LeBron James, the greatest guy who wants to win championships. I mean, this whole thing about winning championships is new now. I'd say in the last 40 years, years ago, players couldn't leave other teams. So so I commend guys like Harden that want to win championships. But a guy like Kevin Durant was on a golden set. Now, Durant is like Kyrie. Because he was on a championship team, yes. so who goes from Steve Kerr, and Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, and Steph Curry to go to the, who does? These guys are all about thinking they can do it all on their own and express. It doesn't. Basketball is still a team game. These guys did not want to fit a piece of the puzzle. You know, that's what it's all. If you look back at the history of basketball, I mean, just look at the Knicks, what made the Knicks great, getting the Bush, and that was the one. But these guys, they don't study it. They don't understand. Now, if they want to win champions, some of them do. I don't think Durant, and I don't think Kyrie, I think they're both the same kind of players. They're not They're not smart enough to be understand when they have a winning situation. And that's why they uh, I don't Dan, know about Dur- I Durant. I think Durant is
0: smart. I, I think he I just wanted, he wanted to be able to prove that he could do it his own way, right? Like he went to, to Golden State and he won his rings and he was finals MVP. So he had he had taken he had checked that box on his resume. And now the next box was, hey, I'm going to start my own thing someplace else. The problem was, as great a player as he is, he's a terrible GM, man, because the two moves that you would think have, have absolutely gotten his approval, uh, deciding to go with Kyrie. And, and you and know the what, Harden Gordon, move, I, did not I commend
4: J- James Harden. Where was oh the loyalty man. to the Nets from the Nets for Karis Leber- LeVert and Kenny Atkinson he quit and Jared him. Allen? They shipped them. gone. God. God. So I know, but he, and James Harden quit what about on J- He quit on them. Rams. Right? He leads him to a Super Bowl, and no, no, you're not good enough. What about Tom Brady? Six Super Bowls. Oh, no, you don't fit in our salary cap. We're going to get a younger guy, not have to pay. There's no loyalty on the other side. So these players should be mercenaries. I commend them, And I commend uh, Harden you know, because he that, realized he Yeah,
0: I don't agree. with Richard, thanks for the phone call. I don't agree with that one. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to commend James Harden uh, for, for seeing that the road was a little tougher than he thought it was going to be. So he said, you know what? Uh, i got to get out of here. A, a, a y- basically a year after he said the same thing someplace else. Uh, that, to me, is crazy. And, and the idea that now people are jumping on Philadelphia that, oh, wow, they've added Harden, that takes them to the next level in terms of uh, the, maybe winning the East, I, I don't see that at all. Uh, I, I don't think that that's going to be the case. I, I like beat a lot. Uh, I think he's a fun player to watch. He's having an unbelievable season. Should be probably, at this point right now, still some time to go, but should probably be the MVP. But now all of a sudden, like, Harden hasn't been able – Harden's almost kind of the same thing as Kyrie. He's never happy where he is either. Now, he's not as out there. He's not as, as, as wackadoo as, as Kyrie is because I don't think Kyrie actually believes anything. He's just looking to, to stir the pot and to, to – I don't know. I, I think it's an unhappiness with himself almost that he wants to make other people unhappy. And he loves the attention on him. So if he does ridiculous and and outrageous things, there's more attention on him. I'm not sure what it is. But Harden's almost the same way. I mean, think about the list of players that he has played with and has never won. Hall of Fame players. And now this time in Philadelphia, it's going to be different? Uh, I don't see that. I don't see that. Artie is in Brooklyn. Artie, you're next up on uh, the Gordon Dammer Show, 98.7 FM. Hey, Gordon. What's
2: going on, bud? Hey, Artie, how are we well, I'm starting to think it's so so aggro. I can't believe the Knicks beat by the Warriors. And I look at the stats, and I see Reddish playing like 19 minutes. And I'm going, what the heck? I can't figure out, Tibbs, for the life of me. I mean, I understand Barrett was hurt, but is this the coach that's going to develop the young guys that we have? That's number one. I don't think so. I think we're better off from getting somebody like what the Nets had in Ackerson and try to develop and then go from there. And then not being able to trade Randall made no sense to me. I mean, he he doesn't have a bad contract. He's signed for less money. It's not like he can't help a team that's a playoff-type contender. It's the GM and whoever on the same page. Like, I, I don't know where the Knicks are going. Last year, it was all great, like a fool's gold type of thing. Why are you trading Toppin – I mean, no, drafting Toppin, who plays the same position as your best player, and then not playing a guy? This, I mean –
0: Yeah, no. Look, Artie, I'm I'm on board with you and a lot of that. Now, the thing about Randall, I'm not trading him just to get him out of here because I don't have enough talent on the roster as it is. So I got to get something back. And if you're saying I got to get Randall out of here, well, you got to show me the piece that you're bringing back that somehow upgrades dramatically. That that's why I wasn't really all that on board of of trading uh, Randall for De'Aaron Fox when that was mentioned because it's 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 the problem the Knicks have is that when they traded Porzingis, they got back future assets. They didn't get anything back. They didn't get any talent back in the meantime. So now they got to wait for those, those draft picks and all that type of stuff to develop. And in the meantime, the roster doesn't have enough talent. And you've just taken a piece of your talent, a piece that I, I, a lot of us were on board getting him out of here, but you didn't get back anything in the now. So that's why your roster is, is dealing with the, the deficit, the talent deficit that you have. So I can't go trade Randall and just be making a lateral move. What's the point of that? Unfortunately, this is going to be a longer term process than you kind of hoped at this point last year, and the fact that the coach and the, the front office don't seem to be on the on, on the same page, that's not a great look either. You know, the fact that I, the fact that I've seen more of Cam Reddish than Leon Rose anytime lately, that's not a great look either. You'd like to hear from the GM every once in a while to see how are things doing? How are things going? It doesn't feel like they're going that great right now. And it feels like last year was just, it was a beautiful season. It was fun, but it doesn't feel, it almost feels like a sugar rush. It almost feels like something that has worn off very, very
2: quickly. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.